Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to uh, service today. It's great to be with you. Good to have folks who are on vacation come back and had a great summer and sign up for the new year to begin. Things at NNU are uh, warming up this week. I was privileged last week to have about 15 hours of meetings, and this week it's only about 15 hours of meetings again. So uh, but the kids are coming. It's always fun, new energy. My kids uh, head off to uh, school tomorrow. Um, we had the privilege, one of my friends uh, who was uh, um, uh, NNU student with me back in the olden days before electricity, um, his, uh, he was from Spain, and uh, he ended up graduating from NNU and going back to um, uh, Spain and to Germany. He actually met a gal who was German and they had a child. And uh, he actually came to NNU because uh, his, uh, he, from Spain, went to Napa High School for an exchange student and kind of found Christ and going to NNU. And so he wanted his daughter to experience that. So um, we're going to have their daughter in our house this year. Um, the daughter knows German and Spanish and English, and that's what we do in our house. Um, mostly just English, but German and Spanish on the sides. Um, the good news is when I go back and forth to German and Spanish, she'll know exactly what I'm saying, so it's good. So, But that all starts tomorrow, and the year, as, as I tell you before, we're waiting for this day. Tomorrow begins. I'll have my senior in high school, my freshman in high school, and my kindergartner. So we are bookending all of elementary. I've got it all covered. So, yeah, uh, 2020 and 2037. It's exciting to, yeah. Some of us will be dead by then. I'll be, I don't know what to do. So, anyway. So, um, how many of you, I know the answer to this question, but I'll just guess the answer. How many of you uh, love to be corrected? Okay, all right. We have one person who's lying. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, like most of you, uh, correction is not something I enjoy. Um, I don't think I'm a perfectionist, but, you know, when I do something, you know, uh, I, I'm happy to hear the positive feedback, but when I get that, like, papers, you know, and now I do this as a living now, so it's kind of exciting. I guess therapy, I got to give back all that's given to me. Um, but, you know, when we're in life, to be corrected isn't fun, whether it's in a paper or mom and dad or a boss, um, you know, being corrected isn't, isn't fun. And to be honest, this chapter in Luke 12 has been, you know, it's been a, a thick chapter. I think it's life-giving, but it's some hard words. And sometimes the corrections we've received have not been fun, right? But I imagine some of those hard words were also life-giving. And that's the goal, right? I mean, Jesus is not here just to beat us up over and over again. But he gives us this hard word, which isn't always easy, um, because God loves us. Those of you who have been parents know what we're talking about. Um, that Sometimes you have to say a hard word to your child, but you do so in love. It's not fun giving the hard word, but it's something they know will be life-giving in the end. And, and that's what Jesus has been doing here in Luke 12. He's offering up words that are not easy to hear, but they are life-giving if we choose uh, to accept it. So this week, uh, this is now um, your, your quiz, mental quiz. How did you do about worry this week? Were you worried? <laughs> How many of you are still worrying? That's okay. It's a long journey. Um, how about fear? Um, uh, how, are we, how did you do on storing up treasures in heaven versus on earth? Right? How did that go this week as you invest in people and um, maybe not so much happiness in the things? The things are okay. And the question is this, um, and maybe it's a question we're still asking. 
what did it mean this past week? What will it mean this week that we're here to seek the kingdom of God first and not the kingdom of you or me? And again, what's interesting is that to seek first the kingdom of God, so we believe, is actually the best life you can imagine. That's the great irony, isn't it? Some of us think we're pretty smart. How many think you're pretty smart? Okay, now two of you, okay? This is maybe a hobble espanol. What do we, what do we okay? Um, uh, sometimes my life, I think I'm pretty smart. I've got a good idea. Um, I had a cousin who's still alive. I still have a cousin. Um, and my uncle um, uh, would say about my cousin, my cousin Garen always had a better idea growing up, right? His father gave him instruction, but Garen thought he knew best, and he had a better idea. And most of the time, the better ideas were not better ideas, right? Um, and so my cousin Garen, I think this is a true story, I always thought he'd end up in jail. And the reality, he did. But the good news is he's paid to be there. So he's a security guard. And so I figured it worked out pretty well. He's paid to be there. It would have been the same place either way. So it worked out pretty well. Um, some of us in life say to God, God, this sounds nice, but I'm pretty smart, and I've got some better ideas. And again, in this text again this week, are we willing to trust God with the direction of our life? Um, and because, again, these, our word, our scripture today is going to bless your heart. I can tell. It's blessed mine all week. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, it is life-giving, even as it isn't always fun um, to hear. Um, this text, I would say, is probably most pastors skip it because I'm old and stubborn. We're just going to go through it. Um, you'll read this is a text that you wouldn't really read on Mother's and Father's Day, and you'll get that in a little bit too. So um, as you're able, I'd like you to stand as we read our text from Luke 12. For better or worse, the last passage we'll do today in Luke uh, 12, 49 to 56, and I'm reading from the Common English Bible, uh, and follow along whatever versions you want to read, but that's what I'm reading from. So uh, this is as Christ began chapter 12 with warnings, he ends the warnings as well. So again, uh, chapter 12, verse 49. I came to cast fire upon the earth. How I wish it was already ablaze. I have a baptism I must experience. How I am distressed until it's completed. Do you think that I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, I've come instead to bring division. From now on, a household of five will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will square off against son. Son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That one's easier to imagine pretty quickly, actually. <laughs> that, was, that was commentary. Jesus also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud forming in the west, you immediately say, It's going to rain. And indeed it does. And when a south wind blows, you say a heat wave is coming, and it does. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the conditions on earth and in the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Doesn't that passage bless your heart? Uh, I've not come to bring peace, but division. 
Yay! Well, we're pretty good at that on our own. So that's why we need Christ's help to bring division. Maybe we'll clarify that maybe, and you notice it doesn't say that Christians are called to bring division. But Christ does that. So we'll have to clarify that a little bit later. Um, what does it mean in this sense that Christ has come and that Christ has come to help turn folks against one another? It feels like that's not a good thing to do. I mean, in, in our, and again, I always get nervous when folks say, we're the most divided we've ever been. I'm going to, you know, maybe. But it does feel like, and maybe social media hasn't helped us, that we actually are saying more than we know. I know that's true. Um, and saying what we think that we don't know. But I do think there's a culture that is polarized. Let me encourage us um, about this church, right? The goal of the church is not to bring folks together simply because we're all going to look alike, act alike, and think alike. That's not the way the church has ever been. Um, We've often confused in the church unity with uniformity, right? Um, the, The reality is we are to be united, but precisely because we're different. And when you are, and not you, but those people who are insecure can't stand difference. And what you have in our culture today are folks who are largely insecure. And they can't tolerate when folks act and look and think differently. But the kingdom of God is about bringing all folks together, um, whether you vote this way or that way. Um, I have a warning for you. Um, The kingdom of God is going to have folks in there who don't vote like you. Or look like you. So if you don't like it here on earth, uh, hell is always an option. (laughs) So like sign up. The church, so again, this passage is like awkward, right? So what is this division (laughs) Christ is offering? Well, you know, the truth comes in many ways. The first, it starts with fire. I have come to bring a fire. Um, any firefighters here? I think we have a couple, don't we? Firefighters, maybe? Okay, all right, firefighters. Um, firefighter, fire, fires are often destructive. Um, my brother-in-law and sister have just moved to town, which is mostly a good thing. Um, he's from D.C. My uh, brother-in-law got a job at the Department of Interior, which actually is based in the western jurisdiction out of Boise. And so he'll be in charge of, um, like, uh, licensing all pilots and certifying all aircraft, the Department of Interior for the whole Western United States. He's a, he's a pilot and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of what he will do is take care of folks who fight fires, wildfires. Um, and, you know, fires are, they are powerful and they are destructive. Um, some of you maybe know who stalked me on Facebook um, that my parents um, in 2016, had their house actually burned down um, via illegal fireworks. So I have thoughts on that if you want to hear them. You probably don't, but I'll tell them to you anyway sometime. Um, so actually, yeah, it was, it was uh, it's one of those phone calls. I mean, when you ever get a phone call at 1.45 in the morning, it's never good news, typically, unless someone's giving birth, and then maybe they tell you, like, wait till morning, let me know that. Anyway, um, my mom called me and said, our house is on fire, come, it's, and, it's, and it's bad. I was about a mile and a half away from my parents. I got in my wife's fast car, and I drove there fast, got there, 
And um, there was, um, they had a, a shake roof from 1995, 96. Um, and it was old and all dried up as all shake roofs do. And it was just a little fire over here, uh, kind of uh, on the side, actually over their bedroom. They had heard it, so they had called the fire department. They actually had four crews there. I mean, they, all the four trucks in Nampa were three trucks in Nampa and a Caldwell truck. And they were trying to kind of help douse the flame. And the firefighters were in there working hard, doing their best. Um, and but all of a sudden, the chief hits the alarm. You know what this means? It means you got to come out, all clear. And the guys were angry because they want to save this house, and the fire wasn't out yet. Well, they came out in about probably 40, I should have said this slide, 45, 50 seconds later, the whole roof just whoosh goes way up. The fire was in between the roof and the um, attic, and it just kind of got ventilation, and literally 30, 40 feet flames blew in the air. Um, and so the firefighters did it greatly, the best they could, um, but fires uh, can be devastating. But fires are also not always bad. Um, many of you um, have seen the movie, it's an old movie now, all my movies are old, but you all are old, so it's fine. All my st- college students are like, they don't know what movies. You see the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks? The old movie? Okay, yeah, I see the movie. Sure, all you old people, young people are like, what are you talking about? Sorry, it's a good movie. Um, go Google it, you'll find it. Um, so this is now the story. He works at UPS, they crash, ends on a desert island, and um, he um, is cast away, kind of the fun inner pun there. Um, but one of the key moments for his survival is the ability to make fire. And it was hard and painful. That's where you get Wilson. That's a whole other story about Wilson. And I'll that, yeah, later, uh, it's about idols. Uh, uh, stop. I stop. So, but fire was the means that he could survive, both for eating and for warmth. So while fire isn't always good, fire can be a really important thing. And fire is necessary um, for life. Um, also, remember this, um, at the beginning of the summer, we have this service of, of the day of Pentecost, right? And remember what happened on the day of Pentecost, those, those kind of 50, like the people were gathered, and the tongues of fire kind of rested on them. We're not sure all that meant. But while fire can be destructive, fire can purify, fire can cleanse and make whole. And that's the fire Christ is leaning on, um, that I have come to bring a cleansing that's good, but here's the thing. You think about kind of purifying things. Um, as, as you think about, um, there's a verse in the Old Testament somewhere, you can find it later. It talks about how your life is like gold that God wants to purify. And you purify things like gold by turning up the heat. Well, in our lives, that's kind of the way it happens. Often I've noticed this. Um, I don't often grow as much spiritually when life is going easy. Now, I should, right? Um, I, I try to pray and read scriptures on a good rhythm. But I've noticed in my life, when the hard days come, I really recognize my intense dependence upon God. But also in those times, which are not fun, I've noticed those are the times I often grow the most. Now, I, I'm not encouraging us to seek those hard times. But here's what I know. In your life, when God turns up the fire, it is not always fun. Right? When we are asked to address the things in our life that aren't so awesome, it is not fun. But in the end, it will be life-giving. 
this fire that Christ was wanting to come and send um, was not always fun to hear these words, but it is life-giving. It's going to go back to the main message of Luke 12. Do you trust God or are you going to trust some other system? What does it mean to trust God and allow God in your life and in my life to turn up the heat? To say, what are areas in your life that are not life-giving? And we get, you know, we have lots of time, past, past issues of hurt and pain or addictions or things that have been done to you, things that you've done. I mean, God is wanting to tinker with those things, not because it is always enjoyable for you, but it can lead you towards greater health and life. But it's not always fun, is it? But that's the invitation. Um, just like it's been, been a while since you've... Um, how long have you been a while since you've worked out or done any exercise? We're in church, confess. If you lie, you're going, you know where you're going, right? <laughs> um, I, my life, I try to exercise somewhat regularly. Um, and the older I get the more I realize the longer I go between working out or doing anything and starting back up, it is painful, right? Really painful. But the good news is the longer you wait, the more pain it's going to happen the longer you wait, right? So the invitation like this is, even though I know it's not going to be fun, it's like, let's get going, right? Uh, a body in motion stays in motion. So those of you, find a way to exercise, do something. Move your arms, whatever you want to do. But things that you've not exercised in a while to start exercising those things. It's not easy or fun initially, but it's good for you. And to not do it, um, bodies will decay and die, right? So Christ has come to bring a fire. The second thing he says in verse 50 is this. Um, I, I wish that there was a baptism I was brought into. I wish you had come already. Kind of a weird phrase. Um, baptism. Um, as you remember, is a celebration of persons kind of entering into the church and receiving grace and forgiveness. But there's two kind of big analogies for baptism in throughout Christian tradition. Baptism is first um, kind of a drowning, right? Uh, but it's also a cleansing. The Bible says when you're baptized, you're going to die to things, right? We're going to die to hurts and pains you've experienced die to sin, die to places that are not healthy, and we're raised new life. Now, we know that when we're baptized, it doesn't mean our life doesn't have any more issues, but we're hopefully on a trajectory. But also, um, we think about Christ as baptism, we think it was probably this. Part of what Christ's baptism was, now remember a little theology lesson, because I'm getting warmed up for my big lectures this fall. Um, let me talk about it in here, maybe not. Jesus, who gets baptized? Why do you baptize? To do what? Have sins cleansed and forgiven, right? But we have a problem because Jesus was baptized. So, this is part of the quiz. Did Jesus get baptized because he had sin and he needed to be forgiven? Very good. You got an A today. Good job. Um, we're very clear. Jesus did not have sins that needed forgiven. So, there's lots of reasons why Jesus was baptized. But baptism also was a way to say to God, God, I give you all of my life. It was Jesus' way again. He's being God, but still as a human, submitting to the Father. And baptism was saying, 
God, I want to let you lead in my life. So we think in this verse, Jesus is saying, this life I've been given, the kind of Messiah that I am, I can sense that God is asking me to do lots of things, and some of those things are not fun. But if you recall in Luke, where we're headed is Jesus, after his first miracles in his hometowns in Capernaum, Galilee, we're now on the road to Jerusalem. So for him, it's a recognition that his life was not his own, and he knew that things um, weren't fun coming, but he was asking God to give him the strength and endurance um, to do it. Jesus is saying this, for my life, even though it's not fun, God, may your kingdom come through me. And again, the question I want to ask each of you, and I mean each of you, whether you're 8 or 80, in your life this week, what does it look like that God can more fully bring the kingdom of God through you? And it's not like, we're not telling you to go on a big crusade across the country, but how are you loving people in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood? Those acts of love and care and devotion, those do amazing things. Imagine places when you've been loved this past week, how it felt. When you love, I think the problem is this. 84% of you, I'm going to be higher. You fail to recognize the incredible impact you have on others on a daily basis. And the opportunity you each have to do an act of love or joy or kindness that speaks volumes. You enjoy when it happens to you and it blesses you, but you fail to see the power and the ability you have to make a phenomenal, deep, lasting impact on one another. That's the invitation again this week. So the key is this. If we're not careful, our default is, how can can I maximize Brent's happiness for Brent this week? And that's not awful, but it's not saying, God, how can you use me to be a blessing to others, which ironically is the happiest week I would have. How's it going to be a blessing to others? It's not that God doesn't want you to care for yourself, but how in caring for others and yourself can that all go together? Some of you, I know in this town, have been to boot camp. Anybody in boot camp people? Okay, we have a couple of you, right? One of the things we know in life, um, how many of you were, uh, love boot camp? Want to do it again? Okay, we have a, okay, a few folks, uh, just Seahawks fan too, it's all right. Uh, some of you, right? Um, as I understand it, not having gone to boot camp, it isn't always fun, right? Um, but like most things in life, um, things that aren't always fun but can be good for you, it was in the end a way to kind of shape and develop you, a kind of way to discipline you in ways um, that you weren't fun initially but have long-lasting positive effects. Similarly in life, um, things that aren't fun, so the fire that Christ brings won't be fun but in the end can have positive and helpful moves forward. Then Jesus says this about the family. Uh, I've come to turn sons and daughters, mothers and sons, the in-laws, that's easy to happen, right? Um, What is he saying here? Jesus is not anti-family. Jesus is not saying, I'm so happy when fathers and mothers and kids are angry at each other. But there's kind of some extremes here we have to be careful of. In Jesus' coming, um, not everyone is going to receive that well. If you recall, remember when Jesus was really young, 
and I think it's told actually in Luke, in this gospel, about Simeon and Anna. Remember, Simeon and Anna were the old folks in the temple who basically Simeon said God had promised him he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And so he sees Christ and offers his prayer. But he says this prophecy from Luke, I'm sorry, Simeon quotes a prophecy from Isaiah over Jesus and said, this boy will be responsible for the rising and falling of many in Israel. And here's the reality. When Jesus came, not everybody said yes. And here's a tension. It's a really important tension I want us to think about here. Not all respond and receive the gospel well. So the question is, how are we going to choose? And again, the other thing he's pushing is this. Um, Family, as wonderful as that is, family, all the things Christ has been pushing. Remember earlier in the the chapter, treasures on earth, right? Uh, Remember the guy who had lots of money and wanted more. Um, All those things are easy to kind of pick, but now he says even one's family can be an obstacle to faith. Now again, I hope in this room, your families have been a blessing to faith. Um, Some of you, maybe not. Maybe it's a little mixed bag. But Jesus is saying there's going to come a day when we choose And sometimes we're going to choose even against what other family members are doing. Now, we're always to make it about love, right? But even one's own family, because the question is this, you've got to choose. Is it going to be Christ as Lord or anything else? And the danger is even family has the potential of being Lord over Christ. I mean, more important to you than Christ. And that's not healthy. As important as family is, if that's more important than Christ, Priorities are out of whack. The other thing I want to say this is that Christ has come to bring division. I'm going to mean a sword, not peace. Now, as a theologian, this verse makes me nervous because Christians have done a lot of bad things with this verse, right? Two extremes we've got to stay away from. Number one is this. There are Christians for whom they just kind of want to blend in. They want to look like the world, act like the world, and there's no distinction, Right? So that they're happy to kind of come here to church on Sunday, but we're going to live lives, we'll cheat on our taxes, you know, we'll whatever, right? Um, there's the danger for some people is that they want to be so inoffensive that they're going to kind of go along with the kind of the, the bad conversations at work or go along with behaviors that everyone says are fine, but are not good. That's a problem. You've got to make a decision who you're going to be, right? There's got to be a division, decision there. Here's the other division over here I'm also worried about. Here's the other extreme where Christians see themselves against everybody else. They literally hate the world. They hate those non-believers. Anyone not like them, they are ready to throw in the belly of hell, right? They are all about division and condemnation and saying, you're in, you're out, and it's over. So you you feel those extremes, right? One is kind of like wishy-washy and like, you know, there's no distinction over here. We're happy to say, Yep, I'm in, you're out, you're going to hell, and there's no connection there. We, we have to live in those tensions. And I've seen Christians on both those extremes who are trying to do well, but both are missing it, I think. When Jesus says, I've come to bring a division and sword, he is saying the ways of oppression, the ways of hurting others, the ways of manipulation and marginalization, 
Those patterns must die. And you've got to choose. Are you in this kingdom or are you doing something else? We've had this, I told you this story before, right? About my, 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 I went to Russia, right? I went to Russia and they said, you know, we're going to die for your faith, right? So today, if it could be illegal for you to be here, you could be killed for being here, how many folks would be here? Of course, all of you would be here, I'm sure, right? Um, but it presses the point. How serious is this Christianity? And to be honest, in America, it's not all that hard to kind of pretend to be Christian. Um, but the question is, how much does that consume who you are? And you mean Christian in name only, but really in your heart, you're still doing the kingdom of Brent. I mean, fill in your name there, right? So Jesus offers us this word and says, again, my gospel is life-giving, but you have to choose. There's going to be priorities. And as you've been working through this chapter, and building and building and building, greed, yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, nicer things, okay, not doing that. And now today, even family. For some of us, in the center of who we are, and family is wonderful, but even your family cannot take precedence over Jesus' lordship. Those of you who've been a part of the church, we often do infant baptisms and or dedications. One of the things we say in those services is, God, we give this child back to you. This child is not ours. Now, it doesn't mean that we hate the child and we're kicking the child to boot out the door, but it's saying in many ways, God, even my family is not mine. It is yours. But how can we steward that family to be a blessing? The last thing he talks about is the weather, because the weather's exciting. Um, I lived in the Midwest for a while, and I, oh, another good movie, uh, what movie, Twister, 1995? Some of you were alive then, right, in that movie? There's a, there's a weatherman there, and he's, this is true. Those who are in the Midwest, you can smell a storm coming. You know what I'm talking about, smelling a storm? And the good news is they were doing it way back then, so you're not that special, right? Um, uh, in Seattle, you know it's going to rain if it like it's the next day. That's how you know it's going to rain. If it's, like the sun comes up, there's going to be rain there. It's always raining in Seattle. Um, Jesus says, you guys are awesome at predicting the weather. Cool. You are failing to see the sign of the times. You're ignorant to the places in which patterns and behaviors and institutions of destruction keep messing up the world. Can you see what God's kingdom wants to do? And do you want to be a part of that? Here's the other thing I've noticed in my life. I like weird superhero movies, right? Um, and what I thought about growing up as a kid is I realized when you, you have like the movie and it's exciting, certain reality, and you live in the real world, no one in the real world wants to be seen generally. Right? There's always exceptions, right? Most folks in the real world, do not think of themselves as evil, as destructive. They think what I'm doing isn't so bad, right? No one wants to be the villain, right? Everyone sees themselves as kind of a good person. The problem is you get on a trajectory where you buy into things and do things that are not positive and not good. So in some regard, I mean, for example, Let's take a, a, a crazy exaggeration. Hitler. Hitler did not think he was doing anything evil. He thought he got a word from God to help to purify the world. 
He didn't see himself as evil. But the reality was, he was evil. Doing the, I mean, the, all the activities there are bad. Um, so the danger is this. Sometimes, and none of you are Hitler, thanks be to God. Um, but the danger is this. If we are not careful, we can end up failing to see the kingdoms we are serving. And so Christ, one of the themes that Christ has over and over again is see, be aware, open your eyes. The invitation is this. A fire is coming. Do you want to be part of that fire? Um, and it's metaphorical, right? But be a part of the fire. Um, even the metaphorical one is there could be some pain along the way because God wants to do things in your life that are life-giving. Um, but to get there, he's going to turn up the heat on some things. Where are the places in your life where God says, as great as you are in this the Christian journey, where are there places where even more life can flourish in, in your world? It's not a mess of condemnation of how bad you are, but it's like saying, how are the places where you're at today, no matter where you are? What are areas even this week you can experience more life and more grace and more mercy to then not only make your own life better, but be a blessing to others? So Christ has come to offer life. Not all have chosen it. So the question this day is, what do you want to choose? Do you choose life and be invited into that? I invite Valerie to come and become the sing today. What does it mean again this week to really say, God, I want you to look inside. Now again, as a culture, I'm not sure how good we are at being vulnerable and honest. Um, hopefully you have people in your life who can share some hard things. But the reality is this, it won't do any good to put a Band-Aid on the cancer. What are the areas in your life where God is saying, as great as things are, we give God thanks, where are there areas where there, there are places, people, things, jobs, dreams, hopes, ambitions, that God says, can I to be Lord even of that? And can I turn up the heat a little bit and invite you to deeper places of life? We're going to sing and then we're going to pray. Let's stand as we sing today. Um, one of the things we do with scripture is always read them in concert with other scriptures. And as Christ sometimes comes to divide, pressing the question, what the church is called to do is to be a place of reconciliation. 1 Corinthians reminds us that we, as we are reconciled to Christ, we are reconciled one to another. And allow this to be a place where forgiveness and reconciliation can occur. And it's not always easy, but the church is this place that after choosing for Christ, we're reconciled to him. So let's pray. God, thanks so much for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the reality is there are many places in this life that appear and sometimes take the place of your son as Lord, even things as important as family. Lord, this day I pray that we would choose again, as you asked Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. We will say, yes, God, I want to choose you. Lord, I pray we'd allow your Holy Spirit's fire to work in us. And Lord, we know that isn't always fun. But even today and this week, may you turn up the heat on some behaviors and attitudes and practices, maybe in relationships where you want to see healing occur. And while, Lord, that won't be fun, we know in the end your spirit can help us to bring new life and new grace there. So, Lord, may you then send us out as those whom God is working on to really love and care for the world, not simply to act like the world, but to love them and let that love be a fire we can share with others to invite them to hope and peace. 
So send us out by your spirit in power and grace and peace today in Christ's name. Amen. We hear the benediction. May the love and the grace and the fire of God go with you to help you love and share God's kingdom and grace this week. Amen.